has been increasing faster than any place else on Earth. But northerly winds howling down from the North Pole can still blow a vengeful cold. Darkness is starting to eat into the twenty-four-hour daylight, devouring a larger slice of the midnight sun with each passing day. Another hard season of winter darkness is descending fast. It's the sixth year of a government-led quest for the wrecks of Franklin's storied ships, HMS Terror and HMS Erebus. The expedition's objective is a search box on coldly vengeful seas, where some of the depth soundings on navigation charts are almost as old as the hunt for the lost Franklin expedition itself. Roughly 10% of Canada's Arctic waters and some 40% of the Northwest Passage have been charted to modern standards. That's one reason the long effort to find Erebus and Terror has been so difficult in what ought to be the most promising place, off the northern tip of King William Island. Franklin's crew, their commander dead from unknown causes, abandoned Erebus and Terra to the ice there in 1848. As they fought scurvy, possible lead poisoning, botulism, hunger, bone-chilling cold, and a creeping madness, the shrinking group of survivors struggled desperately to save themselves from the Arctic, praying for salvation farther south. In their day they were like voyagers to Mars would be now, sailing into the unknown, knowing they might never make it home, but drawn forward by the fierce need to discover that defines our species. If that meant death, then that was the sacrifice empire and discovery demanded. Get back alive, though, and the gratitude of a great nation was theirs to enjoy as the bravest of conquering heroes. The Vikings are thought to have been the first to try and fail to find a northwest passage well over a thousand years ago. The idea of a sea-trading route from the Atlantic to the markets of Asia had tantalized European minds since at least the early sixteenth century. But there were also skeptics. As William Scoresby, Jr., son of a whaler and an accomplished pioneer of Arctic science, wrote in 1820, there have been only three or four intervals of more than fifteen years in which no expedition was sent out in search of one or other of the supposed passages from the year 1500. Since nearly a hundred voyages had tried and failed to find the passage up to that point, it is not a little surprising that Britain should again revive and attempt the solution of this interesting problem. A northwest passage was, and still is, pitched more as a promise than a practical way to boost trade and commerce by sharply cutting the distance between Europe and Asia. That makes more sense when looking at a map than it does surrounded by ice flows, in a part of the world constantly hammered by storms, where even in the early twenty-first century countless shoals and other hazards lie uncharted and hidden, waiting to ground a ship or rip a hole in its hull. Scoresby thought his country was embarking on an expensive, dangerous, and pointless venture. His was a dissident voice in a growing public debate, with the Admiralty eyeing the Arctic as the next conquest for a royal navy that had just won the Napoleonic Wars. At the core of the chief proponent's case was the notion that warmer, open water awaited beyond the pack ice barrier well known to whalers and other Arctic mariners. Find a way through to that polar sailor's paradise, the leading theory went, and it would be clear sailing over the North Pole to the riches of the East. Scoresby wasn't buying it. It has been advanced as a maxim that what we wish to be true we readily believe, 
a maxim which, however doubtful in general, has met with a full illustration in the northern voyages of discovery, he wrote. A single trial is often sufficient for satisfying us as to the truth of a disputed point. But in this instance, though nearly an hundred trials have been made, the problem is still considered as unresolved. As strange as it sounds today, when anyone with an Internet connection can get a clear view of Earth's polar ice caps, leading nineteenth-century experts were convinced explorers would find open water at the top of the world— that may have been a miscalculation based on long experience in Spitsbergen, where the North Atlantic drift funnels warmer water up from the Gulf of Mexico to moderate Norway's Arctic shores. If explorers could just find a way through the ice in what is now Canada's Arctic archipelago, proponents of the open polar sea insisted, the other side of the world was theirs to behold. Problem was...